I'm Kelsey Ryder. I'm Natalia Raymond. And this is Angelinos in Training, a podcast for people curious about Los Angeles by people who live in Los Angeles. So whether you're moving here, new to the area, or just want to better understand LA, we're here to help you navigate the city of angels. Welcome to Angelinos in Training. Today we have a very exciting episode. We're going to talk to you about LA in TV and film, the fact and the fiction. Yes, typically when people move here, a lot of their opinions are based on what they saw in the movies and TV shows. LA is a a pretty big part of a lot of movies and TV shows that I grew up with. I know uh, definitely for me. Um, In fact, even Kelsey and I, uh, watched Clueless last night, <laughs> one of the most iconic movies about Beverly Hills. For sure. But uh, my life did not end up anything like shares when no. I actually moved here. No, it definitely made me feel like I needed to have a white Jeep Wrangler, though. That was something that I thought was necessary in my life. It, it didn't happen, didn't materialize. And uh, yeah, Clueless is definitely one of the more notorious um, mainstream films, I think, about that mid-90s era in Beverly Hills. And just, I think, even the... It, I mean, it changed language, I feel, for a generation, almost. Oh, yeah. yeah. So many iconic phrases, words. Yeah, absolutely. things. Definitely. Even the, like, just taking your hands to make the W. I remember doing that. Oh, I was yeah. in... I was in fifth grade when it came out, and I, I don't know why my parents let me see that movie, but they did. <laughs> and I was only allowed to see it because it was Jane Austen. Oh, really? See, I didn't even learn that till mm-hmm. way later. Like, that was not... That's funny, because I grew up in a household where we were pretty much only allowed to watch Disney animated movies and Jane Austen. <laughs> so Clueless was like one of my only normal people movies that I got to watch as a kid. That's really fascinating. I did not know that about you. I my parents oh, um yeah. we rented all sorts of movies and like they they would pay attention to ratings, but they if we were watching a movie with them, it would just be more of a like, "Oh, cover your eyes," you know, if something came up. So I wasn't mm-hmm. I wasn't nearly that censored for coming from such a conservative socially like conservative family. My my theory, which, you know, mom or dad, if you're listening, love you. But I think that because they were teachers, you know, they were mm-hmm. basically parenting other people's children all day long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when they came home to relax with like a movie and the glass of wine, they did not want to have to be like, oh, gosh, no, you can't. Uh, they just, you know, and I don't blame them because teaching is rough. But yeah, Clueless was definitely pretty mild um on that spectrum but it still is you know there's so many jokes that i did not understand as an 11 year old that <laughs> oh there are some naughty naughty jokes naughty, in that movie naughty jokes <laughs> oh. very naughty when you were when you were watching the movie um when you were growing up kelsey mm-hmm. did it make you want to move to la it made me want to have a high school experience that was like that. I don't know that it necessarily made me want to move to Los Angeles. I already mm-hmm. knew that that was going to be part of it. I just thought, oh, wow, this mm-hmm. is a great plus that you have these beautiful, like, 
you know, cafeterias outside and you can walk Mm -hmm. around everywhere. It's not raining all the time. You know, that was probably more what I was excited about. I wasn't necessarily interested in the glamour. I was just interested in just the concept of moving to Los Angeles and that being how people live their lives in high school. Mm hmm. Yeah, and I'm I'm really fascinated at just how many movies and TV shows are set in Los Angeles. Yeah. And, you know, people, they just, they form their opinion of what they think Los Angeles is going to be from watching all these movies and TV shows, like, or they hear about LA in all of the songs and everything. And it, it can be completely inaccurate. I mean... One of the ones, though, that I, that I always think about is Party in the USA. You know the Miley Cyrus song, right? Oh, oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah, it cracks she me up. She puts her hands up. She's singing her song, The Butterflies Fly Away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So in the beginning of that song, yep. she talks about how she hopped off the plane I already at know. LAX. <laughs> yeah. And then she looks to her right and she sees the Hollywood sign. Absolutely makes no sense. I it makes no sense. That is not the way LA is set right. up. The thing is, like, almost every TV show and movie are about as accurate in their portrayal of LA yeah. as yeah. Party in the USA. I remember so. when I realized that, because I didn't really, before moving here, I had somewhat of a concept of the geography, but definitely not as solid. I mean, nowhere near as solid as I have now, but... Once I figured Mm -hmm. out where I lived, you know, versus where the Hollywood sign is and where LAX is, it's like she would have had to driven this giant U and then she's heading straight up into the valley to go clubbing. She's passing by Hollywood. Also, mind you, mind you, she was a teenager. It's true. So she's who is this girl underage club rocking kicks? I mean, my God, like (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I like that uh, that Jay Z is one of her her choices of songs, right? (laughs) That that was kind of through like I definitely Britney like her the Britney song was on. Oh man. Mm But we didn't come here to discuss only Miley. We not came here just to discuss Miley, but not that is just, just one Miley. example of many <laughs> of uh, all the different pieces of pop culture that have portrayed LA somewhat inaccurately. I'm sure that anyone who uh, might be listening who has any kind of occupation, teacher, lawyer, doctor, whatever, when you watch a movie or TV show, of someone who has your occupation, when one of the characters has that occupation, <laughs> you probably realize that it's not portraying it that accurately. Yeah. Same is true with portrayals of LA and the entertainment industry. Absolutely. Which, as you know, is one of my biggest pet peeves. When, oh, yeah. When people portray the entertainment industry inaccurately. And I'm sure some people listening have had experiences of where it takes place in their town and it's obviously was not filmed there or the it doesn't make any sense for them to be like oh yeah let's just go next door and then they're on the completely other side of town it might not Mm -hmm. be super common everywhere but in most major cities I feel like I know in Portland it made me a little bit angry to see how much they like pared down certain sections of the city and how Mm -hmm. it was like, okay, well now let's, you know, usually it's all these doom and gloomy and mystery kind of shows that are filmed there or, you Mm -hmm. know, Twilight, but it's like, now let's go over here and just walk into this deep forest of the Columbia river basin. We didn't drive 20 minutes. We just walked from school to here. It just happened to be right there. (laughs) (laughs) It's the Northwest. It consumes you with Mm -hmm. trees, which it kind of does. And there's so many 
inside jokes that you don't understand that it's like just written for people who live in Los Angeles, just written for Angelinos. Mm. Oh, completely. Or even just just Angelinos in the entertainment industry. Like I've told so many people, you will never be able to fully understand and appreciate BoJack Horseman unless you're in the entertainment industry. Absolutely. Chock full of entertainment industry inside jokes. I, I, I recommend it to my mom or whatever. She's she's not going to get anything. She's just like, I don't get why the animals have sex with different species. <laughs> I feel like BoJack completely is a show that's that's for people in LA who are in the entertainment industry and everyone else is just going to miss like 90% of the jokes. That is like an, that's an LA insider show. I guess if you, if you get what they're talking about a lot of the time and catch all the hidden gems, the... The little Easter yeah. eggs of the show, then I guess you're a real Angelino. Yeah. Well, that's it's funny too because you can still thoroughly enjoy. I have friends who don't know industry insider things and love Bojack mm-hmm. Horseman. I think it's like one of the best written shows out there. Um, and yeah, and I, I remember thoroughly enjoying Clueless and loving mm-hmm. that movie as a youngster and not understanding any of those insider jokes. Like just last Mm -hmm. night, I finally got how funny it was when they're passing Ty back Mm -hmm. and forth. And Elton's like, well, no, you go with me because if we go down Wilshire, he's like, no, but that doesn't make any sense. I'll have to go back off the freeway. And they just keep throwing her back and forth. And I'm like, oh, Oh, it is is not a conversation (laughs) in LA unless you mention a freeway at some point or the way that you drove to get there. Okay, so I have a question for you. Yes. So one of my favorite sketches from SNL is the Californians. The Californians, yes. The Californians. (laughs) So, and in every episode people are arguing about how to get somewhere um, through traffic and everything. And it's, and they all have these really heavy stereotyped, like, yeah, (laughs) like, like, Devon, what are you doing? What are are you you doing doing here? here? (laughs) I use real California avocados. Yes. (laughs) Let me put these sun-dried tomatoes in this clay ball. (laughs) My favorite, though, is when she says, when you see the Zanku chicken, turn right. Bat and Aaron Marina Del Rey. <laughs> oh, I've seen, I've seen it all. I've seen it all. I know. Yeah, absolutely. So, Natalia, how well do you think that portrays Californians? Oh, so I think it depends on where you are. <laughs> I feel, well, first off, first off, the the inspiration for that sketch, I've seen an interview with Bill Hader where he talked about what the inspiration was, was because whenever SNL was on hiatus, he, you know, would go to LA to have meetings about other projects. And so would Fred Armisen. They were two of the really successful members of the cast at the time. And so he said that whenever they got back to New York, it was a running joke between the two of them for a long time, that they would always talk about what meeting they went to and how they got there. So they'd be like, he'd be like, so Fred, like, where'd you go for your meeting? He'd be like, oh, well, I went to Universal. I took the 10 to the 101 and I got off on whatever. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? And so it became this running joke between them. And then they decided to top that on top of parodying uh, soap operas. And like the Valley type of California people. I don't think it's, I don't think it's accurate. I don't think I really know anyone that talks like that other than <laughs> me when I'm joking. But um, 
I I think that it's funny the way that they parody a lot of the like more lifestyle things, like the way they decorate their uh, their home Absolutely. and the avocado, the avocados and everything. Yes. But uh, I it bothers me though that like most of the people in that sketch are blonde because it's been this uh. huge stereotype like forever that like everyone in California is blonde. Like I've seen yeah. it in so many movies and TV shows. I had like no blondes at my high school in Orange <laughs> County. And yeah. I don't have that many blonde friends in LA. And may- maybe that was true in the past, but like... That's pretty funny. Really, the I think it's now at a point in LA where the majority of Los Angeles are actually uh, people who are not Caucasian. Yeah. And so really, when you look at Los Angeles these days... It, it looks more like the cast of Hamilton than uh, Laguna Beach, the real Orange <laughs> County. So, yeah. Or it, it just Beverly gives Hills kind of Housewives. Yes, exactly. Or the real Housewives. So, I, oh, yeah, I don't, I I don't necessarily <laughs> think that that portrays like the average Angelino. That's a really I, interesting point because I. I never considered the fact, especially in the, I think in the the 80s and through the 90s. Yeah, the blonde California girl was such mm-hmm. a huge thing. And I, I didn't ever think about the fact that it was probably just completely whitewashed by whatever media wanted to be the ideal mm-hmm. California girl. Because, yeah, I'm blonde naturally and uh, we burn. We burn hardcore. Yeah. Like, we do not, like, just gorgeously tan like that. Yeah, I feel like everyone expects a Californian to be, like, Blake Lively. Like, everyone expects yeah. the California girl to be this, like, tall, athletic, blonde girl who, like, gets tan. And every- I don't know right. a single girl that fits that description. I don't know a single one. I, I don't either. Yeah. I really don't. But that's what you see in so many of the the movies and TV shows that portray California. Absolutely, yeah. Like Alicia Silverstone, you know, mm-hmm. she's she's the little the blonde girl because she's not sp- particularly tan, but she's not pale. But you, know? you do have to give Clueless props for the diversity of the cast, right? Considering it was 1995. We were saying that last night mm-hmm. when we were chatting over Netflix party. Like we were like, actually, they, you know. It's obviously not perfect, but yeah. it's it's really progressive for 1995, like, romantic teen comedy, you mm-hmm. know? So that's, yeah, good for them for actually including that. And Clueless also portrays um, a high school in Beverly Hills. And, and when mm-hmm. you watch Clueless, the majority of the cast, the majority of the people at that school are Caucasian. You see... Uh, of course, there's Dion and Murray. They're both African-American. There's mm-hmm. another character who's Asian. Um, but actually, if you want to see a more modern TV show that shows um, a more modern view of Beverly Hills, the show All-American on the CW actually oh, really? takes place basically at the same type of high school that is portrayed in Clueless, mm-hmm. only it's today. And the majority of that cast is actually African-American. Really? Okay. Uh I haven't seen that show. I've only seen the pilot because I was doing a little bit of research on the showrunner. But it was Mm. was really cool actually to watch that because, you know, I had grown up always seeing Beverly Hills portrayed as this this really rich place that had, you know, tons of white people. But then Mm. watching All-American, the school's still majority white, but you see more people of color and you see... Tay Diggs as 
the coach at the school. He's African-American and who's a dad to two kids who are half African-American that go to the mm-hmm. school. And so it's it's neat to see Beverly Hills, you know, portrayed a little bit more accurately now. Because I, I know people of color who grew up in Beverly Hills. Actually, the company I used to work for, one of our founders, he was of Asian descent and he grew mm-hmm. up in Beverly Hills and went to Beverly Hills High. Wow. Yeah. And you don't you don't see that portrayed very often, mm-hmm. particularly not in a show like Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Oh, yeah. Like it's I so I I took one for the team and <laughs> yes, watched some of the show. <laughs> and unfortunately, I am now completely involved in their stories. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> and I even took my my best friend back home. Sorry, Andrea. Um, I've gotten her into it too because I I told I told her that I was going to start watching it. She's like, I just need a nothing show in the background while I'm working from home, you know, just to play. So yeah, now we're I don't want to say invested because that that's mm-hmm. giving it too much credit, but it almost turns into this addiction. Like you you hate watching it, but you have to keep knowing what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And there, I mean, let me. I believe that maybe one or two of them um, has like mixed ethnicity in their background, but I mm-hmm. don't, it's, they all, they all read and uh, portray very white. Uh-huh. So it's, um, you know, is definitely not a realistic view of all of Beverly Hills. The only other show that I can think of that's like really surpassed through popular culture is The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, which Bel-Air yes. is right next to <laughs> Beverly Hills. But before that, I don't know that there was really, you know, I mean, there was the Cosby show, which, but um, <laughs> it, but I mean, it. Sh- I, I feel like as far as I know about the history of television, that was kind of the first like wealthy or, you know, above With Fresh class. Prince of Bel-Air. Uh, well, the 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 uh, the Cosby Show, where because uh-huh. he was a doctor, um, and mm-hmm. I believe she was was she a doctor? I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. Really it's been much. years. But, I don't think I've seen the Cosby Show since I was a kid. Right. But for the '90s, for sure, Fresh Prince of Bel Air oh, yeah. with you know bringing in like showing the the comedy of the contrast of growing mm-hmm. up in Philly and you know kind mm-hmm. of having like coming to age in a rough neighborhood to move to all these like privileged cousins that having a butler with a british accent exactly (laughs) i have no idea how accurately that represented beverly hills at that time but it is interesting to see that it's only like certain things that you can kind of pick out have been showing a more diverse version Mm -hmm. of beverly hills and then like a quote-unquote reality show like real Mm -hmm. housewives is not even close which i i'm assuming everyone listening knows that reality shows are manufactured like we don't <laughs> they have, have to... they have people who write the stories for the season that's yeah. how real they are <laughs> yeah like during the writer's strike i remember mysteriously the hills was not able to record new episodes you mean life stopped for all of them <gasps> no, no. <laughs> Elsie. Yeah, so. That, literally all I know about the Hills is there was someone named Elsie. I've never seen the show. <laughs> oh, Lauren Conrad. Well, actually, you know what? I'm I'm going to show my my white girl here, but <laughs> she makes some her her designs that end up in Kohl's, like the mm-hmm. department store are great. Like she actually has some good like casual business yeah. clothes that are comfortable. So, I I give 
I give LC props to that. Uh-huh. I never really watched The Hills. I knew the basic concept was that it was a spinoff of Laguna Beach. Mm-hmm. And the real she... Orange County. <laughs> yes. The real Orange County. The real OC. Um, and so she, like, gets an internship at, I don't know, Teen Vogue or something like that. I'm not totally yeah. sure. Something with fashion. I don't really care. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> I don't really care. <laughs> I don't... But then, of course, now I'm just the person who talked about, like, getting to invest. Because I want to know. It's just, it's, they're, the Real Housewives have really perfected just not being able to look away from a, mm-hmm. like, car accident. Like, you so just... It's like this burning dumpster fire. <laughs> Absolutely. Just, you just have to keep watching. Now, on a very different note. Uh, Kelsey, you recently watched a movie that won a lot of awards that has Mm -hmm. shaped a lot of people's views of Los Angeles. I'm talking, of course, about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You just just watched this movie. And I I want to hear your thoughts. So I will preface this by saying um, I'm not a huge Tarantino fan. Mm -hmm. I just, like, I, I... I get it. I get what he's about. I get what mm-hmm. his stories are about. But I, I'm never like, oh, I just am in a mood to watch Kill Bill. Like, mm-hmm. I appreciate Uma Thuma, Uma Thurman's. Uma, Uma Thuma. Thuma. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Uma. Uma Thurman's performance. She's incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, most of the actors he get are amazing. But there's, you just reach a point where you've... You've extended my disbelief and I'm I'm not I'm not into it. So mm-hmm. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is probably one of of Tarantino films. I probably enjoyed it the most, but overall mm-hmm. as just a film, it was number one, too long. Mm-hmm. It was like three different movies in mm-hmm. one film. And there was just a lot of unnecessary storyline that didn't really add to anything and you don't necessarily even know what the main plot is like are we Mm -hmm. really following leonardo DiCaprio's story as this you know has been actor trying to climb back up to the top Mm -hmm. are we into you know the the manson cult are we like what exactly are we are we trying to find out more about sharon tate like what is the story Mm -hmm. supposed to be focused on Mm -hmm. and all of the actors did a great job yeah. And what everybody told me before I saw it was, you know, it's really slow for the first, like, you know, two hours. And I was like, oh, God, what? And um, but at the end, it totally <laughs> pays off. And I'm, I don't want to spoil anything because I'm very protective about spoilers. The end. Yeah, it does speed up and it gets more Tarantino-y and interesting. But I don't know that it necessarily pays off the journey that we've been on. So um, what I did love about it is I loved um, Mm -hmm. the entire world, the entire environment of Los Angeles that was created in this time period. Is it, is it this, it's, well, okay, Mm -hmm. I should know when the Manson murders was. It was, it's the 60s. Yeah, it's late 60s, I think. Like almost the 70s. It's the 60s, I believe. Um, I don't know for sure. Someone Mm -hmm. can fact check me on that later. But uh, Mm -hmm. it felt really authentic. I 100% believed everybody in that film was living in that era mm-hmm. and we were looking just at kind of a slice of life like the the framing was great i got super tired of the stationary shot behind the cars on the windy hollywood roads like we we get it like we know that that's mm-hmm. your signature blah 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 
Um, but I really, I just enjoyed that. Like, I liked mm-hmm. seeing Casa Vega and being like, oh, I've eaten mm-hmm. in that booth at this Mexican restaurant in the San Fernando Valley, which they have excellent mm-hmm. food there. Um, and yeah, it just, it, it felt, it mm-hmm. felt fun. It felt like being able to see a window into that time period that I never got to know in Los Angeles. But what are your thoughts? You know what I really appreciated about the movie was I loved that it was a movie that didn't necessarily glamorize Hollywood the way that a lot of movies do. Yeah. You saw more of the struggle because that's often like the biggest uh, complaint that I have about a lot of movies and TV shows about the entertainment industry is we see people at the height of their success. We see people when they're rich, famous, everything. But in this movie, we saw people who were struggling or who were at the end or at a lower point of their careers. Yeah. Um, I really appreciated that. I really liked how um, we see Sharon where, because Sharon Tate, never really got that famous yeah she really was at the beginning stages of her career when she she tragically passed away and so we get to see her um (laughs) yeah yeah when she got murdered but uh (laughs) we get to see her in kind of a more beginning stage in the movie and i really really love the scene where she goes down to Westwood and sees herself in the movie because you see that excitement that an actor has when they have one of their first big film roles actually getting to see themselves in the movie. And she's by herself. She's not Mm -hmm. on a red carpet. The person who works there doesn't know who she is and says, (laughs) can you stand by the poster so people will know who you are when we take the picture? Um, I just, I felt like that gave it a sense of more realism Absolutely. That I really, really appreciated. Because as you know, I hate it so much when the entertainment industry is portrayed inaccurately. And I especially, especially hate it when things that I know are really hard are portrayed as easy. I agree. So I I really liked seeing Rick Dalton struggle Mm -hmm. to get roles. I loved that it showed him working on memorizing his lines. Yes, I love that too. Because the actual... The actual work portion hardly ever gets shown in so many of Mm -hmm. these things. So I really liked seeing him struggle through memorizing his lines. And when he go when he's filming that Western pilot Mm -hmm. and he has a really good take, you see how happy he is about Mm -hmm. that. And I feel like normally in a lot of movies and TV shows, people would just kind of brush it off like, yeah, of course I'm great. But he's he's actually really, really happy about it. He's moved, yeah. And and the conversation that he has with Julia Butters's character, the little girl, yeah. about about her work ethic and everything, like I I really loved that, and I also really really love um, in the movie how we get to meet his stunt double because I feel mm-hmm. like they're they're some of the most unappreciated people absolutely in the entertainment industry, people who double, who do stunts, all those sorts of things. And you see that even though he's had this long career of doing stunts, he's not rich. Oh yeah. He lives in this trailer. He behind a drive in theater. The best food to his dog. <laughs> like Yeah. I I really liked seeing that. I it did too. Just, it gave a certain sense of of more reality that I feel like you don't get to see as often in the movies and TV shows. And I'm I'm all about the unsung heroes. Yeah, I love that it 
it did flesh out a lot of um, experiences that actors do have in the beginning Mm -hmm. or in the middle or possibly the end of their careers. Like you were talking about Sharon Mm -hmm. Tate. I thought that was really, really sweet and adorable of her being like, well, what if I'm in the movie? Do I have to pay to go in if I'm in the movie? Like, no, I'm the girl in the Valley Mm -hmm. of the Dolls, you know? And I, Mm -hmm. I thought that that was cute and fun. And I, as an actor, I super appreciated seeing her reaction to everybody reacting to her performance mm-hmm. on screen because I've definitely been in those mm-hmm. scenarios where I'm just like oh god what are they gonna do what are they gonna say oh okay they liked it they yeah. liked it okay 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 you know so it's mm-hmm. I, I appreciated that as well and like when you said the memorizing lines part yeah I absolutely loved seeing his method for doing that and seeing himself go back to his trailer when he he only misses like one or two bits he doesn't even do that bad of a job but it's still expensive it's mm-hmm. on film when you have to restart when you have to cut and it's so mm-hmm. easy to get to a place of self-loathing as an actor mm-hmm. when you're trying to portray mm-hmm. and you're using your emotions to create a character. It's really easy to think that you yourself is a piece of shit that you can't deliver and seeing mm-hmm. him freak oh, out. I can relate so hard. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to his trailer and being so angry and just like screaming at himself. Like I feel not that I've necessarily had that kind of breakdown, nor do I struggle with alcoholism, but to, uh-huh. I know that feeling. I know that where you're like, everybody's waiting on you. Everybody's literally staring at you. Like it's up to you to make sure this goes well and you don't cost production more money i yeah i I absolutely agree with you there but i i would have been interested in just like just his storyline being the movie or just Mm -hmm. you know brad pitt's the the doubles story you know there was just too much and and even though i really like these certain things about the portrayal of the entertainment industry Mm -hmm. i didn't love the movie there were I could I could go on for hours about oh, yeah, we sure all could. my thoughts on the movie, but, <laughs> but we have other those are those are some of the things that I think are important for listeners to know about if they want to move to LA for the entertainment industry. There there is some value in the portrayal of it yeah. in the movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, whereas in the show Hollywood, yes, on Netflix, I did not like the way the entertainment industry was portrayed. It was. Yeah, it was, it's, it's super interesting because it's coming from a similar place of like watching people in their careers and how can they move up in the industry. Mm -hmm. It's very sensationalized. It's very like, uh, in your face kind of like, is it 50s? When is that era? Is it? It's the 40s. It's 40s. Okay. When that's taking place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause it's all black and white. That's right. It's just getting out of Mm -hmm. silent features. Um, so uh, I I agree with you there. I thought it was incredibly well acted. I thought it had a oh, lot of... it was incredibly well it acted. It was amazing. Jim Parsons, oh my goodness. If you could ever get as far away from Sheldon as possible, he did oh, it. Oh, <laughs> yes. I loved him. And the thing is, I'm, I'm not saying the show doesn't have value. There's so much value in the show. Lots right. of beautiful performances. Him, Holland Taylor... Yes, Just so many of them did such a great job. I don't like the way the industry yeah was is portrayed. portrayed. Yeah, absolutely, I agree with you too. It it or or more specifically, the way that the process of filmmaking and the process of becoming an actor was portrayed. Yes, yes. I mean, it's yeah. Uh, not all actors are going to 
you know, go into prostitution in order to mm-hmm. <laughs> to get their career off the ground. And also, uh, not that that doesn't happen, but it's it's mm-hmm. um, or I should I should say not prostitution, sex work. They're not necessarily choosing to do uh-huh. sex work to go into um, to become an actor. There have been lots mm-hmm. of you know, different uh, stereotypes about the casting couch and how Me Too has mm-hmm. exposed a lot of, like, disgusting filmmakers and people in the industry who have uh, pressured women specifically into getting roles for sexual favors. And while that mm-hmm. does happen, and it hopefully it's going to stop even more intensely now as we go forward, but it's not giving it's not showing the struggle in the same way. It's not that easy to yeah. change a Hollywood production completely around, even though it shows them like arguing with, you know, the studio mm-hmm. heads. It's that's no way, absolutely no way does it happen in one conversation or even two. What, what bothered me the most was how there are people who have never, ever acted before who are able to get an agent and yeah. who are able to um, get a contract with the studio Whereas I know people who have been acting their entire lives who can't even get an agent oh, yeah. who are like in their 30s. Yeah, absolutely. And it just, it really irritated me that the main character, Jack, went from having never acted before, having done it, he did a terrible screen test, absolutely yeah. awful, and yet the studio still brought him in because he has it. He has the it right. factor, which I don't believe is the thing that a lot of the world believes mm-hmm. people people have this this belief in in actors being discovered right which no. i feel is is really perpetuated by a lot of movies and tv shows and irritates the fuck out of me because yeah. people people don't have to be pretty to be actors mm-hmm. And so often in in movies and TV shows, the people who are portrayed as the actors who get really successful are always like the best looking. Right. And even if they weren't necessarily good, people take a chance on them just because they're good looking. Mm -hmm. When in reality, so many people in the entertainment industry are more character types. Yeah. And there are so many other roles besides just the young ingenue young hero. Well, and not to mention when you talk about someone being discovered, it's... It's taking away all of the years of work it took them to get there. Mm -hmm. Nobody is just discovered. Like, some people may get a super lucky break. Like, maybe you hear about Jennifer Lawrence having her photo taken, you know, while she was watching. But she had been acting since she was a child. Right, yeah. So it's not, she's not just discovered. She's not plucked from obscurity. Like, she has skill and talent and has worked really Mm -hmm. hard at her career and getting where she is today. So, yeah, that is irritating to see that. And I don't I don't think that that mm-hmm. was true in the 40s necessarily either. Maybe it was more true than today, but I just I get very annoyed at that being being portrayed as the way people become actors. Right. And it's I know that it's so not true. And what also irritated me was that they they continued the trope that good or I guess trope is the wrong word, but the stereotype that good acting means crying and getting <laughs> super emotional, which is goes against so much of the acting training that yep. I've had yep. and isn't necessarily true. And 
it, it that part just really bothered well, me. Well, one thing that people don't necessarily understand is that uh, comedy is a lot harder than drama, like as an actor, mm-hmm. because in drama, yeah. pe- you can find a way to have people believe that you are upset and you're emotionally going through something. But being able to get somebody to laugh at what you're doing or how you're acting is so mm-hmm. subjective and so obscure that to hit that uh-huh. perfect note is you have to craft it so well. But because it looks easy and because people are laughing and not crying, somehow more value mm-hmm. has been put on drama than on comedy when it's actually uh-huh. a much harder practice. Now, now that we're talking about movies that portray that portray kind of the actor's journey, I want to talk about La La Land because yes. I know that we have some differing views on this. Um, I want to hear your thoughts. I don't want to hear necessarily why you like the movie, okay. but rather why you like the way it portrays L.A. and the entertainment industry. Okay. And this could be because I had literally moved to Los Angeles like two months before <laughs> this uh-huh. movie was released. So um, I I can't tell you how many people like either messaged me or called me and saw La La Land before me. And they're like, you are going to love this movie. You have to see this film. And I'm like, yeah, it's already uh-huh. on my list. I just have to have enough dollars to go out and see it at the theater. So uh, Leo and I went and we went to a daytime show, like not on a weekend. And the theater was completely empty Um, And when the sound, like when, you know, the trailers were over and the sound came up and they started singing and I started to see, see, I'm even giving myself chills right now just thinking about it. Uh Like I saw the dancers dancing on the highway and singing about like moving to LA and pursuing a dream. And then maybe one day they'll say they used to know me. Like I had just Mm -hmm. gone through years of trying to move to Los Angeles working Mm -hmm. super hard, you know, both Leo and I worked really hard, saved money, you know, sacrificed a lot of things that our friends were able to do, like either, uh, you know, save up to buy a house or pay off your student loans, Mm -hmm. which we're still doing. Um, And it, I, it just came out of me in a flood and I just started bawling. Like immediately Mm -hmm. I felt so emotionally attached to the story of people moving there. And so what I enjoyed the portrayal of it finding so many dead ends working jobs like not necessarily at a studio a lot like there was definitely a shiny glaze on what they mm-hmm. were doing within their work but you know um seb being fired from or sebastian i should say uh being fired from <laughs> the i was just thinking of seb's club i was like picturing the logo in my head i like seb <laughs> i like seb too um seeing him be fired for wanting to do his own artistic vision. Like I for sure have known those people who like, Mm -hmm. like they just don't get me and I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And I'm like, okay, good luck with that. And they don't usually get very far. Mm -hmm. Um, Seeing her feeling completely discouraged and being like, I'm just moving home. It's not worth breaking my heart over and over again. I've gone through Mm -hmm. those, um, those periods in my acting career where I've been like, why why am I still doing this to myself? Like, I love this mm-hmm. craft so much. I want this to be what I do with my life that I'm... But, like, how... When does it become abuse? And when does it become, you mm-hmm. know, actually committed to, you know, my art? And then um, mm-hmm. to see them in a relationship and, like, not necessarily finding the same 
ground and if you're listening there's going to be spoilers because we have to talk about the end of la la land too they don't a lot of my friends were really upset that they didn't end up together in the end and how is that a happy ending and i was like this is a realistic Mm -hmm. ending like when it is and it shows that they um were really important to each other in their lives at that moment in their lives and they supported each other in a way that other people couldn't necessarily understand who are not in the industry Mm -hmm. so i really appreciated all of those aspects within it. Now, I don't believe that you can be plucked from obscurity by doing a one little show in a nothing yeah. theater and then suddenly <laughs> land a, a movie in Paris. Like, no, I don't. A movie that would never happen, by the way. No. I have never heard of an audition where someone uh, goes in and they're just, they're like, just tell us a story. And it's a, a movie that will be written around the actress. Yeah, like, no. I have so many questions about this movie that Mia right. does. <laughs> that is, you're risking so much money on a person you don't even know just from one performance, like one little devised piece on a stage. Like, no, come on. Yeah, so I agree with mm-hmm. you there. But I also really love the music. I ha- I think it's a lot mm-hmm. of fun. I... I just, I just really love it with my entire white girl heart. I really love La La Land. Uh-huh. <laughs> now tell me. I love it. And I, I completely agree with so many of the things that you said. And I, I completely see all of that. As you know, I have a lot of criticisms about La La Land. You do. Tell us, Natalia. Yeah. So I'm, I want to preface it with saying that there's a lot about La La Land that I love. And I've seen it, I think, about three times now. Okay. And I've I've cried watching it. I think the movie's fucking beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think there's amazing performances. I think, though, that there's a lot of La La Land that is so polished that it, it really uh, in- encourages a lot of the misconceptions about L.A. and the entertainment industry that bother me so much. Okay. And um, some of them relate to some of the things that I've mentioned earlier. Um, one is I really hate that everyone that's portrayed in the movie as an actor is thin, young, and super attractive. <laughs> and that yeah. bu- bugs the crap out of me. And maybe it's just my super analyst brain, but... That those are not the only people who move to LA to be actors. Yeah. There are so many other types of people besides just the young, thin ingenues. And even in I, I love Another Day of Sun as much as the next person. Mm-hmm. I have I taught it to my students at theater camp last summer, and mm-hmm. I cried watching them perform it. I I love that song, but I have so many issues with that number mm-hmm. because the people that it portrays as like the actual singers and the hopefuls and everyone, those are dancers. They're yeah. not even the people who are actually singing, and <laughs> it's like you took away. You took the voices from, and I've looked up a lot of the singers. They're yeah more everyday looking people. I'm like, those are the actual yeah. artists that are singing this and everything. And you're swapping them in for a conventionally attractive size zero girl. I didn't know who, that, actually. I didn't know that they weren't singing. I assumed that they were. That's very oh, singing in the rain. so much. Yeah, it's very singing in the rain. And it just, it bothers me so much. So... So people see that and they see all these hopeful people. And while that's wonderful, there are so many really hopeful, talented people in L.A. that 
don't look like that. And I would consider and myself are, one of them because I moved to LA pretty yeah. old for like when when you. Uh-huh. I remember thinking I like, did too. Yeah, I remember thinking that I was going to be too old to move here. Like moving and starting your mm-hmm. acting career in Los Angeles at age thirty seems kind of ridiculous. But I know, and mm-hmm. I do know better that you need people of all shapes and sizes. And I'm not stick thin. I'm very tall, but I have a young looking face. So most people didn't know what to do mm-hmm. with me for a long time. So I agree with you there. I think my my interpretation has always been like, well, this is a modern day musical version and they're they're being very true to what um, musicals in the 50s used to do, which was like show mm-hmm. only the prettiest people and yeah and and then like have this kind of glossed over but i liked that there was some reality from this era grounded in it but i yeah i have no Mm -hmm. qualms with what you're saying that is really shitty that they just like and swap the voices out even when you look at mia's roommates when you see the four of them next to each other in someone in the crowd they all have the exact same body yep like granted they're of different ethnicities but they all have the exact same body that is that's not what it's like usually when you get a group of four mm-hmm. actors in LA. And there's this there's a part in that scene also where um, one of the roommates says, I have a bunch of things in my inbox that you would be perfect for me and I'll totally submit you. That is not the way submitting works. What? And that bugs the shit out of me. Yeah. There's there's just so many moments throughout that are just nothing not accurate with yeah. about the way acting is and i'm sorry but the one woman show that mia puts on is so fucking unoriginal yeah it's a it's a show about her leaving her hometown duh everyone has that experience how did anybody get to los angeles <laughs> yeah and just it's a lot of little things like that how the hell would mia o- afford that gorgeous wardrobe that she has how does she afford right. her prius priuses are not they're not cheap no. cars and she's a barista I don't know about you. I've had as many as five jobs in LA. Yeah. And she she seems to just kind of be chilling at her barista job. And also, she's reading her script while driving. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That is so dangerous. Well, it's super dangerous, <laughs> like, but I don't think that that's necessarily inaccurate. I have seen people like holding papers as they drive all the time. Yeah. There's just, there's a lot of little things that bother me, but perhaps the biggest is just how glamorized it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, and also Mia is complaining, and maybe this is just because I'm someone who actually is an actor. Mia's complaining about how badly her career is going. She's auditioning for series regulars. Right. Do you know how many people in LA would kill for that? Right. Like, she's really not doing that badly. And also... Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think we ever once hear about her manager or agent. No. Which would be such a huge part of the story, I oh, would yeah. assume. You don't but... you don't just like arbitrarily wander around to auditions like on major studio sets. Like absolutely not. You have to have yeah. an agent and a manager or either or, or both. And um, I do mm-hmm. remember it bugging me seeing it even at the first time that her headshot wasn't updated. That like her... Oh, her headshot's so bad. It is really bad. But maybe that was what they were trying to point out. But I do know mm-hmm. that um, they they added that little scene where they interrupt her to when she's auditioning and they ask what their lunch order is. Like, Ryan Gosling said that that's, like, actually happened to him several times when he's auditioning. Oh, that's things. actually happened to me, too. Yeah, yeah, it's super that's realistic. totally happened to me. 
I've had, I remember one of my first major auditions for a theater company in Portland. Um, and this is Portland, which I was like, okay, you guys need to like calm down. This is not Hollywood. <laughs> but um, okay. I walked in to do my audition and I waited until their eyes were on me because they were still taking notes. And I thought that I was being polite, uh-huh. but then they looked up at me and just went, go. So I didn't even slate. I got so nervous and I was so thrown off by yeah. that, that I didn't. I've, I've had experiences kind of like that. Too. Yeah. It's really scary. And I, and they're like, okay, well, first of all, you didn't even tell us who we are, who you are. Like they, it was, it was brutal, like worse than Simon Cowell criticism that mm-hmm. completely crushed me. But I was just so confused by, and they were just, I, I've had way more polite interactions actually in Los Angeles with auditioners than I have uh-huh. with uh, in Portland because anyway, I have, that's a, that's another opinion for another time. That's nice to hear. Yeah, <laughs> I have. Yeah. That is nice to hear. Yeah. Now I, I do um, really like though in La La Land that we get to see so many different settings within the city. Yeah. Like, I, I think it's a beautiful tour of LA. It's really cute. And I, I would tell, I would tell so many of the people on my tours after your trip, watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and watch La La Land. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be so happy because you're going to recognize so many of the locations. Absolutely. In the movies. Well, there there are things in La La Land that are unrealistic by about the dates they go on. But I see that as part of like the musical theaterness of it all. Like at the time, uh-huh. the Angel's Flight, the it's a little um, elevator that just goes up a hill in downtown Los Angeles. Uh, it wasn't open at the time that they filmed it, but after the popularity mm-hmm. of the movie, yeah. then they reopen it. Isn't that what happened? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and actually, Angel's Angel's Flight is right next to um, the bench from Five Hundred Days of Summer. Oh, is it really? Oh, yeah, it's they're, they're right next to each other. Oh, that's funny. I didn't know that. Um, but I've walked by it before, being like, "What is this?" And it basically mm, it's it, adorable. It's really cute. It uh, it was built. For the wealthy people of downtown Los Angeles in, like, the, the 40s to... Uh, so they wouldn't have to walk up the hill to get back home. They could take this tiny little elevator, but it's super rickety. And I it's think the world's shortest railroad. Yeah, the r- world's <laughs> shortest railroad that just goes straight up and down a hill. And that's it. It's just so that the wealthy people could pay, like, whatever it was, you know, five cents to get up the hill. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's kind of a dark history behind it. People have died on it because yeah. the, <laughs> the cables have cut and they've like flown down the hill, but it's, if you saw it in person, you'd be like, wait, what? Someone died on this? Like it just is so small mm-hmm. and it seems so low risk. But anyway, mm-hmm. that, and then them going to, uh, uh, the observatory, Griffith observatory and having nobody there. Oh, of oh that would be no, a dream. It's always crowded. Uh, it's always packed. Like I would love to go there when no one's there but that's really just not possible Mm -hmm. (laughs) except maybe in social distancing times it'll be yeah i really loved the featuring of the hermosa pier yeah that's that's where he is in city of stars and i feel like that's a very underrepresented area of los angeles it's so cute those lamps aren't there but um leo and i figured that out we went out to that pier and we were walking on it and i was like leo this is the la la land pier i swear it is he's like is it and so we started looking up screenshots on our phone and we were so excited and i was like dance with me (laughs) let's be the you want to hear something insane yes you want to hear something insane so you know the the bar that they keep going to over there the lighthouse yes 
I was at the Hermosa Pier when they shot the scenes. Really? In the lighthouse. Oh my yeah. gosh. So you got to see them doing that? And everyone everyone in the crowds around kept being like, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling are in there. Oh, <laughs> that's so fun. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And of course, I didn't know what movie it was or anything at the time. But then later when I saw the movie, I was like, oh, this is what they were shooting. That's, that's super exciting. When you see something mm-hmm. happening there, uh, a TV show has been uh, filmed outside my bedroom window once before. And when I was peeking in and trying to figure out what was going on, um, being able to recognize it later on when I watched it, I uh, I was just like, oh, so that's what was happening. I completely misinterpreted the situation. <laughs> so <laughs> it's really fun to live in Los Angeles, especially if you're super into the entertainment industry. If you're a big fan mm-hmm. of TV like we movies, <laughs> like it's really cool to like, I can't I can't lie about that. It's really cool to feel like uh-huh. you have an insider's view of what was going on that day of shooting. And mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, Totally. Now, to to get us towards wrapping up, Kelsey, yeah. I want to hear, what is the movie or TV show that you think portrays L.A. the most accurately? The most accurately? I don't know if it's most accurately overall, because it's not even necessarily based in Los Angeles, but Crazy Ex-Girlfriend taking place in mm-hmm. Santa Clarita, California, which is, it's only five hours. I, I, West Covina. What? Oh, sorry. Oh, my God. I said Santa Clarita. Don't kill me, oh, guys. Oh, no. <laughs> literally the first song literally the first song (laughs) yeah i i man i'm gonna lose my my stanship badge for crazy (laughs) ex-girlfriend i love crazy ex-girlfriend so much natalia and i are both huge fans we were lucky enough (laughs) lucky enough to go to the final taping of uh crazy ex-girlfriend the live performance in los angeles at the what theater was that at i can't remember now it doesn't Orpheum? matter i don't know it's in downtown it doesn't matter it, it doesn't matter what That's matters not... is we were in the second row and you see us a lot yes the, you if you watch the, the special. special if you see the two girls with the daisy crowns that i hastily made the night before with crafts from michael's um they placed us there because we were wearing the, the without love without love you can you save, can save the, world the world shirts. yeah exactly shirts we were wearing those and they put us and it was it was amazing as amazing as you can think about it but crazy ex-girlfriend if you haven't seen it I think it's maybe the best television show ever made, honestly. And I (laughs) like a lot of TV. It's a musical show. And if you're not into musicals, don't let that dissuade you because it is, um, it's definitely not a typical musical uh, type show. Mm -hmm. So they, they have people from all sorts of backgrounds in the show, like all, all sorts Mm -hmm. of shapes and sizes in different stages of life. And I really appreciate that representation of Southern California and they they joke like they they make fun of the fact that like yeah it's only only 2 hours from the beach but it's 5 in traffic you know to get from mm-hmm. west covina all the way to the coast whatever coast you're going to um just seeing people desperately wanting to be loved desperately wanting to do well um i feel like it's a fairly accurate portrayal of southern california there's even a song called mm-hmm. um California Christmas time that is just mm-hmm. really silly. They talk about singing songs by Sublime and uh <laughs> My favorite part is when they say even our Santa has a suntan, he's also an unemployed stuntman. Yes, it's so good. <laughs> it's so accurate. I mean, yeah, I honestly think that um 
that Crazy Ex-Girlfriend gives a pretty real look at, for being a fictionalized show, it gives a pretty real look of what living in this area is like. So what would you say? Yeah, I I would pick Crazy Ex-Girlfriend too, actually. Yeah. But I would, I definitely agree with Crazy Ex-Girlfriend for more everyday, everyman kind of portrayal. And I think if you want to see what like the cool kids in LA are like Mm -hmm. and like the LA stereotypes, you season two. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I agree with that too. What people, people who think they are more important than they actually are and people Mm -hmm. who feel like they've just awakened themselves onto a journey of health and wellness and yoga Mm -hmm. when they're just end up appropriating a lot of cultures within their Mm -hmm. (laughs) totally experience (laughs) and crystals and okay anyway i would agree with you there beyond the sensationalized storyline yeah the the culture Mm -hmm. and the experience yeah i can see that for sure yeah well, thank you so much for listening to our second episode of Angelinos in Training. We appreciate you and we appreciate any cats you may have in your life. Say hi to them for us, will you? Yes. Thank <laughs> you so much. And I uh, I hope that uh, we inspired you to watch some cool movies and TV shows. Yeah, go fire up that Netflix. <laughs> what else are you going to do in quarantine? Just a reminder, the content of this podcast is based on our own opinions and personal experiences and may not reflect the opinions and experiences of all Angelinos. Music by Leo Jackson. Artwork by Trevor D. Richardson. Edited by Kelsey Ryder. And additional research by me, Natalia Raymond. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Angelinos in Training and on Twitter at Angelinos Pod. Want us to cover a specific topic about LA? Email us at angelinosintraining at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.